Sometimes we just need a bit of a jumpstart to our songwriting, to our creativity, because sometimes we get stuck writing the same type of songs over and over. Sometimes we just run creatively dry. Sometimes we start to write songs about the same things over and over, and we need to explore different themes, different ideas. So in this episode, we're going to talk about three pretty basic songwriting hacks to get inspired and writing. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you would take some time to talk songwriting with me today. Thank you to those of you who left reviews. There were two especially kind reviews that came through this week. Uh, One of them was from David and another one from, uh, at least the username was Rosh. Um, Not sure if that's your real name or not, but I appreciate it to both of you and to everyone who has taken the time to leave a kind review on Apple Podcast or on Spotify or wherever else you can leave reviews. If you like this show, if it's helped you out, best thing you can do to help me out is just leaving a kind review wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate that. In this episode, we're going to be talking about things to get you up and started with songwriting. A great guide to go with it is my free guide to jumpstart your songwriting. It gives you 10 different ways to start writing a song. It gives five from a more lyrical standpoint, more of a subject standpoint, and then five from a more musical standpoint. Honestly, this episode is somewhat inspired by that guide. So if you enjoy this episode, that would be a great companion guide for you. It's a songwritertheory.com slash free guide. So let's talk about three songwriting hacks. I think these are three things that are super basic, anybody can do, and yet, at least for me, has been profound in being able to help me um, get get past sort of what you what one might call my bread and butter, because we all have sort of the bread and butter stuff that we're we're good at. There's always the stuff that we're comfortable with. It's kind of like if you're in a group. Right. Maybe maybe your work had a quarterly meeting or something or, you know, maybe it's it's at your your church or, you know, wherever you just gather with a group of people. The tendency of us as humans is to sort of gather with people that we already know. Right. So take the quarterly, for example, the tendency is to, you know, whoever's on your team currently, the people you're close with, you sort of huddle with them and you Maybe if you're into networking, maybe you talk to other people, but for the most part, you're just like, "Ah, I'm more comfortable with the people I already know. I don't want to meet new people, blah, blah, blah. Hey, maybe that's introverted songwriter coming out. But for a lot of you, you might be able to relate to that. We default towards comfort, but sometimes we need to force ourselves out of that in order to grow. And certainly this is true as songwriters. Sometimes we need to do things to sort of force ourselves out of what we're going to naturally go back to, which is the things we're comfortable with. So whatever you're most comfortable with for songwriting, which by the way, is not a bad thing, right? We all have things that we are most comfortable with, probably because we're best at those things. Nothing wrong with that. We just need to not be limited by that and not allow that to become a stumbling block to our songwriting. We need to let it be right in the place where it it is something we keep going back to because we're good at it. It's what maybe we do best, but not take it so far that we're overly reliant on it and we become one-dimensional as artists. 
there's a bit of a, a tricky, thin line there for sure. But regardless, that's not the main subject of this episode. We've talked about that in past episodes. We're talking about some some hacks so that that isn't the situation. First one, really simple. In order to write different styled music, whether that be that you want to write something that's a little more rock sounding if you do mostly singer-songwriter sounding stuff, or maybe you want to do a song that's sort of funky, maybe you want to have something that has some bossa nova vibes or a hip-hop vibe or a house vibe, maybe disco, uh, maybe metal. Or maybe, you know, even even other things like have a bit of a Celtic vibe or whatnot. Some of the best ways to do that, especially if it doesn't come naturally to you, is to simply start with a drum loop. And you don't need any recording software for this, nothing. There are websites out there that have these things. There's musica.com, uh, specifically musica, which is M-U-S-I-C-C-A, by the way, so two C's com slash drum machine and then you can put in a whole bunch of different you know you can choose different styles you can choose different time signatures you can uh, decide to add some swing to the beat they have a bunch of different pop rock beats some jazz beats funk disco hip-hop heavy metal whole bunch of different options and then there's also drumbit.app which that also has a bunch of different styles like bossa nova hip-hop house rock and even beyond just the feels, just changing the tempo can inspire you in radically different directions. So something I've done a couple of times is if there's a song I really like the feel of, I will literally Google like what its BPM is, and I will usually get a drum loop with that tempo, but if not, at least a click track or a metronome, right? If you have... One of those guitar tuners that also has a metronome. You could program just the metronome to that beats per minute. And a great way to write a song that sort of has a, a bit of the feel of that song that you're going for, but maybe not, but not too much of one that one would ever guess like, oh, this was inspired by this other song, is simply by starting with the beats per minute and a similar drum beat if, if you actually go and, and, and you know, go for the drum loop route. Uh, if you go for the BPM route, it's going to be even farther. But that can be a really effective way to sort of use another song as a jumping off point, but definitely guarantee that you're not going to overly copy it or or really copy it at all. Because really, you're just stealing a beats per minute, which, I mean, come on. Like, that's <laughs> that's nothing, right? Beats per minute is, there's like a trillion songs at 96 beats per minute. There's a trillion more songs at 98 beats per minute or 100 beats per minute or 120. Actually, there's probably like 30 trillion at, at uh, 120. But great way to be able to write a song that's in a feel you wouldn't normally write in is simply drum loops. For me personally, when I like hear music in my head, when I sit at a piano or a guitar and I just start with, you know, improvising something musically, I always... Like, by nature, I want to make something that sounds beautiful, that sounds maybe epic, maybe wistful. I mostly hear epic, wistful, maybe morose ballads. That's mostly what I hear. And so, therefore, that's that's kind of my bread and butter. I like songs that that have 
epic differences in vocal range, right? Like a chorus that's kind of intimate, maybe wistful, or sorry, a verse that's sort of intimate, wistful, and then the big chorus where the voice goes, right? So, and it's good to have bread and butter. But I don't hear music in my head that's like jazz or even just a, a basic catchy song. Like, if anything, I'll hear like this beautiful melody, this grandiose melody in my head. I, I never really hear melodies in my head that are like, whoa, that's so catchy. Like, that just doesn't happen for me. That's not how I think about music. So the only way that, or the main way, I shouldn't say the only way, the main way and the best way that I've found to simply get myself to write some catchy songs is with drum loops. Easiest way to get yourself to be able to play something in a feel that you don't maybe naturally feel or think about. If you think about it, even you might not even know, like, like bossa nova was one of the things I mentioned. You might not even know what a bossa nova feel is. Honestly, I listened to it like a couple hours ago and I, I, I don't remember already. And yet, if you are improvising, which in theory is how you're starting your song, while listening to a bossa nova beat, you can't help but play along in a feel that fits with that beat. Right? Like you don't hear a hip hop beat and write something singer songwritery. Right? You don't you don't hear a house beat and write something that's just rock. That's that's not how it works. It's kind of like if you hear a metronome, yeah, you might be a little slow or a little fast, right? You might push the beat a little bit, you might be a little behind the beat. But you're not going to play something in a totally different beats per minute. Unless, of course, you can't hear the metronome. But, but that's besides the, that, you know, that's, that's different. That's a different issue. So there's something about rhythm that just gets us to lock in, right? It's, it's like, you know, if, if ever you're in a band, sometimes you may notice you're practicing, the drummer's not there yet, and it feels, feels a little loosey-goosey at times. Yes, I just said loosey-goosey. You know what? It's fine. It's going to be recorded and out there forever, and I need to be at peace with it. So here we go. I said it. It's fine. It'll be okay. So, but then the drummer shows up, right? And all of a sudden, everybody's locked in. Why is that? Well, because we can all follow that drummer, and there's something about drums and drum loops that make it so that you just, you can feel it in a way that you can't feel with most other instruments. And that's not exactly the same, because in theory, the feel of the song didn't totally change just because the drummer showed up. Um, but it's kind of the same idea. Drums are a great way to get yourself to feel something that normally you might not feel. So even if right now you don't even know what Bossa Nova is, I bet that if you go to drumbit.app and select Bossa Nova and play that drum loop from your computer or your phone, and then you go over to your keyboard or piano or guitar and start doing some improvising, whether that's with chord progressions, maybe a piano riff, maybe a guitar solo, no matter what it is, you're going to end up, might be a little rough at first if you're not used to it, but but you're going to end up locking in with that bossa nova feel in the same way that you would with the funk feel if you chose the funk option or the rock feel with the rock option, hip hop, etc. So this is a really simple one, but I really can't recommend it enough. Uh, I think I would have written like one catchy song ever in my life, maybe two, uh, if it wasn't for this specific hack. Uh, and this specific hack has made it infinitely easier, infinitely easier. So again, 
You don't need to record nothing like that. As long as you have access to the internet, you can go to something like drumbit.app or musica.com slash drum machine, or honestly just Google like free drum loop app or something. And there will be many different options for you to choose from that you can play from your phone or whatever you have on you that is connectable to the internet and play along. And you will be shocked at the different feels that you can write in that you never would have without without uh, locking in with a certain drum feel. So what about the lyrical side of things? What about the times that maybe we find ourselves, you know, always asking ourselves, hmm, what should I write a song about today? Right? We sort of sit there and think, hmm, what's, what's an interesting thing going on in my life? What's a, a song subject I haven't covered yet that still I find inspires me? And the whole comfort concept is going to strike again often here. This is why, you know, so many artists will just have love song after love song after love song after love song. And it's not even like very different love songs. It kind of feels like it's all saying a similar thing, just in a slightly different way every time and with a different melody every time. Or, you know, another breakup song and another breakup song and another breakup song. And we've talked before about how if you just dive deeper into subjects, usually even if the rough idea is the same, you can have radically different songs. It's kind of like, you know, not everything that's science fiction is the same, right? It has similar concepts, but, you know, you could be an author and write 50 books that are sci-fi that are all radically different from one another. In the same way, yes, you can write 50 breakup songs. And because, you know, one of them is, is concentrating on the day after the breakup and the other one is actually, you know, you sitting in the coffee shop waiting for the breakup to inevitably happen. And the other one is you reflecting back 10 years later on a breakup that you you know, you're glad happened now or or maybe that you still wish didn't happen or, you know, all the different attitudes you can have towards a breakup, all the different timelines that you can go through with the breakup song. So by diving in deeper, sure, there are still infinite things we can talk about even within a single subject, but often it is even better if we can just break outside of writing about the same stuff over and over again. And I think a great way to do that is if we try to manufacture a cool, attention-grabbing, possible song title, and then reverse engineer what a song called that song title would be about. Because often, if we just think, oh, what should I write a song about? We'll go to the same stuff, right? The same stuff that we're experiencing in our life, the same stuff we've heard a million other artists do a million other times that we have in our head, like, oh, let's do another breakup song, another love song, whatever it might be. But if we decide to start by being like, you know what, let's craft an intriguing song title and then ask ourselves, okay, if a song was called this, what would that song be about? So I'll just throw some examples out there. And if you want to steal these, I guess you can. Um, but uh, full warning, someday I may have a song called one of these, obviously, since I'm talking about them. But um, feel free to steal them. But better yet, just use these as examples. Um, we'll blow through these fairly quickly. First one, Desolation of Eden. 
right? What is a song called Desolation of Eden? What would that be about? And whatever you're imagining is probably different than what I'm imagining. And probably, or hopefully, whatever you're imagining right now is a little different than what you would normally write about. And it's that song title that is prompting you towards that. What about Beyond the Stars? What about Starlit Lullaby or Delusional Utopia? Enter Elysium. Before the curtain falls, then I'll be happy. Just another memory. Burning daylight. The desolate frost. Flicker. Modest castle. Modest castle being an example of sometimes if you take two things that seem incompatible and you put them together, that can be a hack for sort of interesting imagery. Like frozen sun or down to heaven. The sky below, the lone lion, I don't know, because they're usually in packs. Uh, I would say the lone wolf, but that already has a specific meaning. Um, or eating vultures, right? <laughs> Turning it on its head, it's, you're eating a vulture instead. That's a weird one. Regardless, you get the idea. So a great if you want to go back even one step further, you can just find a word that you like, right? So... A lot of these came from, uh, like, desolate. I love the word desolate or desolation. I think I think it's a great word. Also, I always like just lullaby. There's something like, you know, there's something sort of inherently creepy about a lullaby or, or especially ethereal. Regardless, I like both of those things. Um, delusional. That was another word that was in there. I love the word delusional. So... Even if you start with just like, what's a word that I just really like? And then from there, like figuring out what you can pair with it, you'll notice a lot of these titles, right, are, ba are basically two different words. Desolation of, which is just a whatever word, Eden, right? So desolation, Eden. Beyond the stars, beyond stars. Starlit lullaby, that's literally two words. Delusional utopia, literally two words. Enter Elysium, literally two, two words. Before the curtain falls, that's a little bit longer, but you could just take curtain falls. Uh, but in this case, before the curtain falls is a specific thing you're, that at least I was going for. Uh, then I'll be happy. That's from a, a quote I saw from a thing once that just struck me as particularly sad. It was this idea of, you know, if I, maybe if I just do this, then I'll be happy. Maybe if I just do this, then I'll be happy, which to me is like the United States American human condition. Uh, maybe it's everybody's human condition, but it certainly is uh, <laughs> pretty representative of, I think, the average person in the United States. Um, I won't speak for other countries because I guess I wouldn't know. But regardless, this can be a great way to reverse engineer a song that otherwise you wouldn't write about that subject. Third thing. Start with a different sound and it may lead you very differently. I don't know if there's anything more underrated by maybe even musicians in general, uh, but certainly songwriters, than timbre. And yet, timbre is literally the difference between a distorted electric guitar playing C4 and a piano playing C4, and a vocalist singing C4, versus another vocalist singing C4, that makes all of them sound completely different. Right? If you play a 
a C power chord on the guitar, which means that you are playing a C and a G. Or if you're doing the three-string version, you're doing C, G, and another C. If you play those exact same notes on the piano, it's going to sound totally different. Same exact notes. If you have three strings parts, right, maybe you have, uh, depending on how low or high it is, let's say you just have like two cellos and a double bass playing those three notes, it's going to sound completely different. What about an organ? That's going to sound completely different, right? We could go on forever. In fact, uh, th th besides the fact that certainly some instruments just play differently, right, with a with a guitar, it's a, a strum or a pick, right? Whereas with a violin or with a, most most other stringed instruments, you can sort of, um, you're bowing something, right? So you can sort of keep that one note going almost indefinitely. Uh, and, you know, some instruments you're, you are, are playing with your mouth, so you're limited by breath. Sure, there are, of course are elements like that. But besides those things, like how an instrument is played and, and the, the nature of, of how a note is sustained by an instrument. Besides that, the only thing really separating different instruments is timbre. Right? If, you, if you hit a piano key and you hit a guitar string, same exact note, the entire difference and how they sound radically different is simply in the timbre. And I don't think we take as much advantage of that and how that inspires different music as we should. I don't know if you've ever seen those videos that are like, you know, metal without the distortion or something, right? It's almost comical sometimes. It's like, oh, that really sick riff is like, it becomes either really lame or almost funny without the distortion, right? Sometimes it even sounds like, oh, it's just like became like a folk song or some songs almost will, will sound like, oh, is that Celtic? Like, no, no, that, that was a metal song. But just by changing the timbre, by turning the distortion off, radically changed the sound. So this is something to take advantage of when it comes to writing songs and starting to write songs. Because even the way you play is going to be different. If you go to a keyboard that has different sounds that you can choose from, or you go to a synth or a keyboard that's plugged into a computer where you have even more access to different sounds. If you play the keyboard and you hear string noises versus a flute noise versus an organ sound versus a piano versus an overdriven synth versus a light chime bell sound versus a harpsichord, the way you end up playing is going to be completely different. If you've ever gone to a keyboard for fun and just been like, oh, I'm going to put on the string settings, which if you are a pianist, you have almost 100% done. Even if you're not and you're a guitarist, you probably have done this. Have you ever noticed even the way you play is different, right? Because the sound is inspiring you differently. And it's literally the exact same instrument. So don't underestimate how massive a difference Simply deciding to write a simple part in a different instrument or just with a different sound can be. Another way to look at this is simply taking some of the songs that are so classic with a specific instrument sound and even trying to imagine them without that instrument. Right? Like, what, what would my heart go, will go on? Yes, I'm referencing Celine Dion in this, and I'm comfortable with it. 
what would my heart will go on? What would that song be without that flute sound? What would it be? I mean, it'd still be probably pretty great because Celine Dion is is an incredible singer, but that flute is so important to the vibe and the sound of that song. Can you imagine if that was just like a piano part or something? It would totally change the feeling of that song. Or uh, Breaking Benjamin's Diary of Jane. The intro has a didgeridoo in it, which adds a ton to that song. I don't know if that's necessarily why Diary of Jane is their is their main number one song, but I, I will say I do find it very intriguing that when I look through all these different artists, I find that almost always their biggest hit or one of their biggest hits is like that one song where they have this kind of intriguing instrument thrown in there that you may or may not notice, right? So again, Didgeridoo and, and Diary of Jane, uh, the talk box in Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi, right? Like where would that song be without that that intro with that talk box sound? Or the digital harmonizer that Emojin Heap uses for hide and seek. Or even my favorite artist of all time, Vertical Horizon, their biggest hit, uh, Everything You Want, by far their biggest hit, um, is the main riff is a guitar part that basically they did a whole bunch of things too that basically makes it so that the guitar is moving both forwards and backwards at the same time. So it's like a reverse guitar sound with a forward guitar sound at the same time, something like that. So that created sound, interestingly enough, only or mainly featured on their biggest hit. Now, you know, who's to say which direction it is? Maybe an artist thinks, oh, this is a big hit, so they put extra effort. The producer puts extra effort into like, oh, let's let's add this extra little spice to it. Or maybe it's partially due to these things. Regardless, this is a great way to spice up a song you've already written by simply adding even a simple part that just has a different sound, a different timbre, a different thing you're using, whether that be a flute or a string sound if you don't usually use like a, a violin or something. Maybe it's an organ part, right? I mean, I mean, the vibe of an organ is totally different. If you have a whole EP's worth of songs or full CD's worth of songs, sorry, LP, I should say, full album, that's all like acoustic guitar based. And then the last song is just a really basic organ part. That one's going to stand out, right? And it could be a super simple part. It doesn't need to be complex. Just by nature of it featuring in some capacity a organ. I almost forgot the example I used. <laughs> Just that is going to go a long way in separating that song. And then even going beyond that, getting creative about different sounds that you can use even around the house to add to your song. Maybe do some editing to to make it to make something that just really hasn't existed before, right? Go record your vacuum cleaner or your AC unit or maybe your dog barking or your cat purring, maybe a lawnmower, maybe the clicks of the keys of your mechanical computer keyboard, or maybe the distant sound of airplanes flying above or the tornado siren during the Wednesday test at noon if uh, you live in Columbus, Ohio like I do. I don't know. Is that is that a thing that even people out like is that the always when tornado sirens are tested everywhere that has tornado sirens? I don't know. Uh, let me know in an email or something. 
I guess I could just Google it, huh? But regardless, you know, you, you can take these things and get creative with it, right? So I, I, I've used these examples before, but I'll, I'll say them again. There's one song. The whole song was based around uh, I wanted to have this really ethereal sounding song that that was sort of in, inspired by um, Midnight by Coldplay. I just want to write a song that sort of had that vibe. And what I did to start that song is I recorded a ceiling fan. I pitched it down by an octave, I believe, possibly two octaves. And then I slowed it way down, way, way, way down. So that it sort of has a whoosh, whoosh type sound instead of, you know, the, the normal sound of a fan. And yes, I know, that was an impeccable impeccable, perfect impression of a ceiling fan. Thank you. Thank you very much. But regardless, um, that actually went a long way towards inspiring the rest of the song. And that's something so basic and so like, uh, you know, weird even. Um, another thing I've done, I recorded a grandfather clock chiming. I cut it so that it was just the one chime and then reversed it. Big hint here, by the way. Just reversing a sound can go a long way. If you just play around with slowing a sound or speeding it up, pitching it up or down, and then forwards or backwards or a combination of both, that's going to go a long way. You'd be shocked at the different sounds that you can get to sound super awesome by doing just one of those things, much less a combination. Uh, for example, uh, famously... Uh, the sound of a TIE fighter in Star Wars is a combination of a, I believe, a car driving on specifically a wet road or something combined with an elephant bellow or whatever it's bellow seems right. But the sound of an elephant <laughs> with its the noise an elephant makes, whatever. I don't know why I can't think of this right now. Um, I believe it's backwards, the elephant part. Uh, the car part, I don't really remember. That might be backwards too. But it's just like those two things combined. And I'm sure, again, they played with pitch and they played with, you know, stretching it out. Like I think the the elephant noise is stretched out, for example. Uh, and, and, you know, you have one of the most famous classic sounds of, you know, everybody knows. Even if you don't like Star Wars, I bet you know what a TIE fighter sounds like, I think. And certainly if you like Star Wars, even a little bit, you you know what a TIE fighter sounds like. And, you know, so regardless, the main point here is timbre is super underrated and can be great both to add to a song that you've already written, right? That, you know, you have a song, it's pretty good. How can you take it over the top? Maybe by, by using a, a, a flute sound or a didgeridoo or maybe adding, you know, a, a, an organ part maybe adding strings, or maybe making your own sound with a vacuum cleaner or the tornado siren, which by the way, I keep saying the tornado siren thing. I want to use a tornado siren in a song for the longest time. Like tornado sirens are one of the coolest, creepiest, eeriest sounds ever. Specifically, specifically, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard I don't think this would be helpful for a song because it's kind of chaotic for a song. Although if you could make it work, it would be pretty dope. 
I'm pretty sure it's not it's not even remotely all in the same key, but uh, go look up on YouTube. Uh, unless you live there, then you would know. But Chicago's tornado siren, it is one of the eeriest, creepiest sounds I've ever heard. It's awesome. It's 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 so cool, um, and also appropriately terrifying. I feel like even if I lived in Chicago for like 30 years, I would take tornado sirens seriously because it's so eerie. Anyway, not the point. Just starting with a different sound will inspire you to play differently, will help you come up with different parts. It will uh, help take a song you already have over the top. And a lot of times our main songwriting instruments, you need to do a lot to really make it interesting. Right, like for example, if you're on the piano and you do the most basic piano part, like block chords, it's pretty hard to have a really interesting set of block chords. Or for guitar, the most simple part would be just strummed chords. Right, it's not, and 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 you know, if you think of distinctive instrument parts, you're probably not thinking of block piano chords, and you're probably not thinking of strummed guitar chords, and yet. If you go to like a flute or a violin or a didgeridoo, even a simple one note melody can sound so different and make your song instantly recognizable simply by choosing a different instrument. If you played it with the piano, it might just be like, yep, okay, there's another. But the second that it's a flute part, the second that is a didgeridoo, the second that you uh, use a vocoder on your voice to make a, or a talk box sound, right? Or have that synth that you made of a vacuum cleaner sound that you decided to reverse and pitch way down and, and slow down or whatever you did to, let's say, the vacuum cleaner noise. And all of a sudden, your, your song has uh, instantly you can tell, oh, there's something different about this. So, overall, whether you're stuck, feeling uninspired, or whether you just want a little shot in the arm for creativity, three practical things to do. Start with a drum loop, especially if you want to have a different feel to your song. And, you know, maybe you're like me and you struggle with writing stuff that's more on the catchy side. You lean towards things that are more epic or beautiful sounding rather than things that are catchy and make you want to slap your knee or whatever it is you do to catchy music. That's a great way to go. Drum loops. Second, if you want to write about different song themes or subjects, a great way is to reverse engineer. Come up with a cool song title that you think I would want to listen to a song with that title. Right? Maybe you're like, man, Desolation of Eden. I don't know what that's about, but if I saw that on a track list, I would be like, hmm, I kind of want to listen to this album now. Or maybe for you it was Beyond the Stars or Delusional Utopia, Enter Elysium, Before the Current Falls. Maybe you hated all the titles I threw out there, Modest Castle, Frozen Sun, whatever. Maybe you hated all of them. That's not the point. right? You can't hate all of those. You can go out and make some that resonate with you and then reverse engineer, okay, this song title, what type of song is, is this song title the title of? And then you can reverse engineer what the song is about based on this title that you find compelling. Uh, I didn't give this example at the time. I'll throw this in, in there. Uh, this is a part of how I wrote a song called Whispers of Angels, which I still need to release because it was a part of the rock band I had back in college that broke up. Long story. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Um, 
but uh, it's not released yet, uh, which is, uh, there's too many songs that that is true for. Also, I need to actually get all my, whatever. None of this is important. Moral of the story. Not even moral of the story. The story. Uh, I love Doctor Who. I thought the Weeping Angels were really cool. And eventually I came up with the song title and idea of something called Whispers of Angels. And I was imagining like the Weeping Angels, which are very creepy, dark angels, not like, you know, angels in heaven, angels. And from that, I reverse engineered what I thought that song would be about. And that is, to this day, one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Certainly my favorite, like, harder rock song I've ever written, for sure. And it was all because I came up with a song title that I thought was really cool and inspired me. And I reverse engineered what the song would be about based on that. And it happened to fit really well with what was going on in my life at the time. So it was kind of this perfect storm of things coming together. Um, but, man, I really encourage you. Go reverse engineer some titles. Do like 10 or 20 of them. Pick your favorite one. Try to start writing a song off of it. Or maybe just take like a week. Try to come up with 100 within a week. And then pick some of your favorites and go from there. You know what? You could probably come up with... A, if you took a week and just did this, you could probably come up with a whole EP's worth of song titles that you think are absolutely killer that will lead to inspiring killer songs. Highly recommend you check. try to do that one. And lastly, different sounds, different timbres inspire people radically differently. Take advantage of it. So if you found this helpful, something else you'll definitely find helpful. As I mentioned before, check out my free guide, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. It talks a lot about things very similar to this. In fact, I think some of these are literally in that guide, if I remember correctly. Uh, but that gives you five ways from a lyrical standpoint and five ways from a musical standpoint to sort of Accomplish the same thing we're trying to accomplish here, right? It's thinking through different ways to sort of start songs off that will inspire us in different directions. Because if we keep grabbing that acoustic guitar and doing a chord progression first, well, all of our stuff's going to start to sound the same. Or maybe th that won't happen, but we'll start to run creatively dry. But it's amazing how, for example, if you just walk over to the guitar after being at the piano for a while, or if you start... Uh, by improvising a melody with your voice after doing guitar chords for a while, or you just change up how you play guitar and you decide, you know what, let me come up with a finger-picking riff instead of uh, strummed chord progression. It's amazing how just changing the way we start the song, maybe starting with a song title as we talked about here, it's amazing how all these different things can inspire radically different songs. Um, and, and because you're you just in case this is a worry you have, because you're you, usually, even with these radically different ways of starting to write songs, what's usually going to happen is they're going to become different enough that as an artist, you don't have all of your stuff sound exactly the same. But usually because it's you writing, it still will all sound very much like, you know, your sound. There's a fine line, right, between you don't want as an artist to be like five different genres within one album. Right? That, that's usually not a great thing because then there's no identity. Nobody knows, well, do I like that artist or not? Well, it depends. I like their first song and then I hate all their singles. And then, you know, yeah, we want to have an identity as an artist, uh, but you also want to have enough variety that people don't listen to your whole album and say, oh, I thought that was just one long song that just went on and on and on. And there's, there's a line somewhere in there. 
I find that this is a great way to straddle that line and and play it perfectly where you have enough variety, but yet you can still maintain your intrinsic sound that makes you special, that makes you you. Because ultimately, the only thing that is special about me, the only thing that is special about you, is that you are you and nobody else is you. You are the best person at being you. Whatever makes you go creatively, no one else is exactly like you. So don't try to be a second-rate, some artist that you like, be a first-rate you. That's your best bet. Uh, and the same thing is going to be true for me and for everyone that ever listens to this podcast. So go out, write some songs, check out the free guide, utilize these different ways to get inspired and get writing, help change up your sound a little bit, help really get your creativity going, give it a little jump start. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I'll talk to you in the next one. <laughs>